Hamburg, the second largest city in Germany. Famous for its harbor and the many, many theaters around here. I have just got off the bus from Berlin for a quick back-to-back -back interview with today's inspiring guest. His name is Udin Mühlenbein. Udin works as a partner for Ashoka Germany and Ashoka Globalizers. And for those of you who have not heard about Ashoka before, here comes a quick description of the organization. Ashoka is a global organization that identifies and supports the world's leading social entrepreneurs. They try to learn from the patterns in their innovations and mobilizes a global community that embraces these new frameworks to build an everyone a changemaker world. It was a rainy day in Hamburg and I arrived two hours earlier than expected. So I decided to grab a lunch and a cup of coffee at a local bakery nearby. It was a really cozy place and I sat there and gazed over the people in there while I mentally prepared for the interview. Even though the rain was pouring down, people seemed so happy and friendly. After the lunch and a cup of coffee, I took the metro to Udin's apartment where the interview took place. Udin has an academical background in philosophy and he have co-founded a couple of social ventures himself before joining Ashoka. He had worked with Ashoka for four years now, approximately. And according to Udin, his work can be divided into three parts. First of all, he helps with strategy works for the social entrepreneurs within the Ashoka network. Second, he spreads some of the learning that he and the social entrepreneurs gain from the strategic work in forms of, for example, articles. And thirdly, Udin tries to be an ambassador for system change in general. So, Udin, let me begin here with a big, big question. How would you describe what system thinking is? Uh, starting with the most philosophical question of all, <laughs> and, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I cannot do justice to, to this question. I can only refer back to the great systems thinkers on, um, on whose work we are really building here in the social sector. Um, I think it, it was Donella Meadows who said that um, a, yeah, a system is, is an interconnected uh, set of elements that together produce some behavior that these elements couldn't produce on their own. And that creates all kinds of complexities and interesting behaviors. Um, and systems thinking is, is a way of looking at the world that appreciates these complexities, that is um, somewhat humble, uh, given how difficult it is to, um, to see what one's action might have in terms of effects. Um, and it just, yeah, it's just a different way of, of looking at, yeah, at, at the world and, and the work that you are doing as a social entrepreneur. Mm. And why is it so important for you, system thinking? Um, so I, I remember how I, uh, how I got more interested in the, the, in the topic. Um, I was just, uh, I was done revamping um, the, the process that we use at the Ashoka Globalizer program. Um, 
And at that point, we were focusing on helping social entrepreneurs to have as much indirect impact as possible. So the idea was, um, don't try to grow as an organization, but um, but scale your ideas, scale your impact. Um, so like focus on things like open sourcing or training others to do your work or really like make it easy for others to, to do what you are doing. Um, outsource the work. And then, so once we were done restructuring the process, I was like, yeah, okay, but even if people succeed in that, that's actually not enough for what we want them to be doing ultimately. So Ashoka has been selecting social entrepreneurs into the Ashoka Fellowship for over 40 years now. And one of the selection criteria has always been that the social entrepreneur's idea has the potential to change a social system. And so I thought, well, our strategies should then be targeted at these intended system changes. It's not enough to, to spread your idea or start a movement or whatever it might be that these, these people were after. You, ultimately, you need to have a new, uh, a new equilibrium in the system that you want to change. And so that was when the journey began, to rethink the accelerator program, the way we look at impact, the way that we support uh, fellows. Yeah, and I know that you have developed a lot of tools and frameworks for Ashoka. Would you like to tell us a little bit about a tool that you have developed that you're pretty proud of that have improved how social <laughs> social entrepreneurs are are uh, developing developing their impact or creating more impact? Let's see. So I uh, might be helpful for this. Another two tools, but before I mention those. Um, I, like the most important point to make here is that we are just uh, whatever we do, we can only do because we are standing on on the shoulders of giants. So, um, our when we create a tool, chances are that we just adapt it so that it works in the social sector or um, for the strategy processes um, of social entrepreneurs. Um, the real developers are, you know, the Domela Meadows of this this world, um, the Sengis, the Peter David Strauss, etc. Like the, the the actual systems thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> we are just the people who who make this work valuable in our sector. So, um, uh, so the the twelve leverage points um, are are a really nice tool with the five R framework. But it's like, but these things have existed even before we we started. So we are just using them in our context. And two little things that we developed um, are first, uh, we call it the system change journey. So the idea here is that once you have a clear system change goal, um, the journey exercise can help you break it down into more tangible milestones. Um, I think we are going to talk about that with a more concrete example later, but it's a way of of strategizing on a systems level, it, it helps to make this abstract goal of a system change more concrete so that you can actually start working against it. Um, and the other tool that, that I quite like, uh, it's very simple, it's, we call it the ego radar. It's a little mindfulness tool and it asks you to, um, to sit down and reflect on which of your thoughts and feelings um, are, are already pretty aligned with a systems entrepreneurship, systems thinking mindset, and in which areas of your work and thinking you might still be what we call like a heropreneur. Like, you know, I have the answers, I know best, oh, okay, I can't yeah. share credit, that's <laughs> that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with that to some extent. We yeah. all have it. Um, but this tool helps you realize um, like 
where it is still within yourself so that you can start working on it. That sounds so complex and so fun at the same time. <laughs> oh, the tool time. is very simple. It has just two columns, like one for each, um, like the angel and the devil inside of you. And then all you do is you like in bullet points, write down whatever comes to mind in these two areas. That's it. Boy, I, I mean, that sounds, that sounds so cool. What a great tool. Uh, I was thinking about this um, because there's a lot of um, amazing stories regarding system change, but that maybe, you know, when people just hear about them, they don't tend to think them as systems. They see them as this hero, heropreneur or what you kind of um, said before, the heropreneur. Um, but I was thinking, Odin, you have worked with many social entrepreneurs and everything. And I, I just or heard, you know, you're in that field. And I want to hear uh, just one example. It can be tiny or big, you decide, um, of someone or a group that apply the, the system thinking mindset and and kind of changed and a system or is still changing a system in that sense. Uh, would you like to give us an example of that? Of course. So um, in the usual overviews of examples, you will hear cases like uh, Wikipedia or like Jerubili Moria um, revolutionizing the field of child and youth financial education or Muhammad Yunus revolutionizing the field of uh, private banking, but but actually, um, system change can be much smaller and still be a completely valid system change. So, and that that I think is are the examples that we should be talking about more because they are so much more approachable, um, much more relatable. So, um, here are two examples that I that I like in particular. Um, one is of an Ashoka fellow called Andres Rubiano. He founded an organization called Meditech. Um, Meditech is establishing new medical protocols and um, procedures in the Andean region in, uh, along the trauma care path. So when, when somebody is having a stroke or something, um, he, he helps to improve the, um, yeah, the, the processes which are then uh, applied to help that person. So that can be how the first responders should respond, how they should do the handover um, to the emergency people, how the emergency people then hand it over to uh, the hospital people, etc., etc. And so, I mean, uh, improved protocols for uh, trauma care in the Andean region, that doesn't sound world-changing, revolutionary, you know, mm. but, yeah. but it's, a, it's a nice, concrete, targeted change in a specific system that will most definitely save uh, hundreds of lives each year and potentially thousands of lives um, over, yeah, over the lifespan of that particular fellow. So that's, that's pretty pretty neat and that's just one example and of course uh, thousands of social entrepreneurs are doing these kinds of things so the the effect really adds up um, another example here from germany is um, a fellow called uh, annette hubbard who founded an organization called flechtwerk 2 plus 1 um, the organization helps uh, parents who are no longer together to still take care of their children uh, in an in a good way even if they don't live in the same city anymore. And so uh, she's helping these parents directly, but, but she also has a couple of neat little tricks to improve the system um, uh, for, for these parents, to make it easier for these parents to take care of their kids. And um, one, one thing that she's fighting for is that uh, the, the kindergartens that are already there in Germany um, are providing rooms and spaces um, for parents who are visiting their children in other cities so that they have a room to play with their kids. And that's, 
again, like um, that's only a small change, but it, if, if successful, if she makes this happen, then an already existing resource in the German education system becomes available for a new cause. Um, when it didn't have any use before, because we are talking weekends, normally these these rooms would be closed, and so mm. it creates a new efficiency. Um, it, it unlocks a resource that was unused, and that's that's again like um, hard to say how much how much value that has in mm -hmm. the grand scheme of things. But it's a system change, and it's worthwhile uh, implementing. And that's very interesting because in the la latest, the last example you gave us, um, it's also this that it's focusing on the parents and the parents. Uh, it's not only like that the children are getting because when when we're talking about this when when parents are separating, we're talking about like but how will it go for the kids? But really, what what she what she saw there is that you know parents need support in that sense because they're only one person now doing a two man job in that sense you know driving kids to school and everything. So that is that is an incredible incredible good uh, idea I think. Well, that's the first insight. And then the second yeah. insight is that, um, I mean, the traditional way of, um, of of handling this would then be to help all the, the parents who are affected by this problem directly. But what she's saying is, no, 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 let's, let's improve the system so that we don't have to help every single parent individually. Mm -hmm. There are just, by default, in every bigger German city, there are a couple of kindergartens openly available for these people. No question asked. It's just a matter of public infrastructure. And so it doesn't even need a social enterprise anymore to take care of that particular problem. It's, it's piggybacking on an existing resource. And that makes it so much more elegant. When was the, the first time that you can recall when you started to become um, fascinated in this idea of helping developing strategies for social entrepreneurs like when when did that thought arise when did you feel like this is what i want to do um it started again when uh, when i was revamping the the global as i thought process and realized that we are not really working towards a system change goal yet but then once we once we changed that um, i realized that actually um, helping social entrepreneurs develop system-changing strategies is only one small piece of the puzzle. If the ecosystem around them is not really supporting them in that endeavor, then they can have all the great system-changing strategies in the world, they will not be able to implement them. And that's actually exactly what we saw. So um, like one and two years after the first fellows um, had finished their system-changing strategies, they came back to us saying things like, Everybody loves our strategy, but nobody has money for it because it just doesn't fit into any funding scheme that's mm -hmm. out there. Or um, I would I, I fleshed out this great idea for a collective impact network, but the partners don't want to do it because then they would have to give up um, like basically brand equity. Like they, they wouldn't be able to say that they did it by themselves. They would have to do it in a collective and nobody wants to. Or um, my board doesn't get it even in some cases. Like... Um, they don't want me to share resources with other players. They don't want me to raise my own competition, even though it would help me achieve my goal much faster. So there were all these barriers that we found. And so um, that made me think more about the ecosystem and how we can affect it and how, like, how we can nudge it in a direction that makes it easier for social entrepreneurs to become systems entrepreneurs. If a social entrepreneur comes with this barrier... How could it? Uh, how could it look like the strategy that you that you want to help them with? Is it exactly the order you said that you start looking at, like the barriers step by step, or uh, how do you go about like doing an 
uh, a strategy like this? Uh, so there are two, um, those are two questions, I believe. So yeah. one is how do you develop system changing strategies for individual social entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about that. Globalizer has a, has a five-step strategy process for that. The other is how do you change the ecosystem so that becomes, it becomes easier for all social entrepreneurs to, to have a systemic effect. And um, for, for the ecosystem part, we don't help individual social entrepreneurs. We, we listen to all kinds of different entrepreneurs and then to, to figure out where the barriers and gaps are in the ecosystem. And then we try to address them for everybody. So not just for, for one or two people who have a specific concern, but, but for everybody so everybody can be more successful. And when we look at the ecosystem, um, we identified three areas that need some work. Um, the, the first is that we need to shift the discourse. So when we talk about impact and, and what this whole sector is for, um, system change should play a larger role. Um, it should be a default way or, or one of the default ways of, of changing society for the better. Um, the discussion shouldn't just be about successful business models and scaling, but also about how to shift social systems. As a, as a viable path for a social entrepreneur. Um, and for that, we, um, we are writing articles, we are trying to, uh, to cultivate ambassadors who, who spread this message, we are trying to document um, success stories so that more people see that this is actually possible, etc. Et yeah. So basically, you kind of create like a new uh, dimension in, in, the, in the corporate world in that sense, look at this way or... Well, the corporate world can also play a role, but yeah. um, we are talking more specifically about the ecosystem for social entrepreneurs. So these would be, um, you know, the funders, the incubators, the accelerators, mm -hmm. the consultants, um, the the partners, etc. So the, um, the the space in which we are working more more concretely. Um, a second area that needs some work is to get more intermediaries on board. Um, so uh, ideally. Universities, when they talk about social entrepreneurship, should already mention the goal of system change as being one of the, you know, the things that you you could be doing in that role. Um, incubation and accelerator programs uh, should include the idea in their workshops and and program designs. And um, most crucially, donors and investors should sh should invest in systemic initiatives um, rather than just rolling out um, direct service programs or um, growing organizations um, so that they can reach more people directly. Uh, and then the final, the final area of work that we believe is needed is we need to establish interfaces um, to other systems. So whenever there is a social innovation that, that um, our, our field has identified, it should, it should be easier um, to institutionalize it. So for example, um, let's say that all the municipalities in Germany um, had a roundtable every year and they identified the five social innovations that just worked in all kinds of different municipalities. Then they make a recommendation to everybody and they set up uh, an incubation fund so that all, um, all municipalities can replicate this successful innovation. And that would, that would accelerate um, how fast a system changing idea can actually bring about a system change. Um, and that would be that would be amazing. So for the interfaces, it's still a long way to go. The intermediaries, you can just um, talk to one by one. And that's exactly what we are doing. And for changing the discourse, we, we need to 
communicate more, um, have more success stories. Mm-hmm. The guiding star for our work, and I'm, I'm talking uh, on behalf of Ashoka Germany now, is to have an ecosystem for social entrepreneurship that allows social entrepreneurs to uh, achieve their full system change potential. And for that to happen, we need all these these smaller steps that I just mentioned. We need a different discourse. We need the intermediaries on board. We need the funders on board with the idea. And we need the interfaces to other systems so that our innovations can spread fast. If you look at what you as Ashoka has done, what are some of the effects that your work has generated so far? Hmm. Um, yeah, cause and effect. Uh, so... The first thing I would, I would <laughs> that's love to always say a is, tricky uh, one. <laughs> yeah. It, so, well, in, for traditional social business approaches, it's not really a tricky one. So, um, you you take your intervention, you establish a control group, you run a randomized control trial, you find out what your your differential value is, and that's your impact. And then you multiply by however many people you reach. It's it's not, you know, it's it's still hard to do. It's still hard to to make it work, but conceptually it's quite easy to to talk about your impact um, impact on the systems level it's not so easy anymore um, and the simple reason for that is that we don't have a control group we we never know what might have happened if we didn't do something so mm. um, there are no hundred worlds and um, and we split them in two and in 50 of those worlds we do our system change initiatives and mm. in the other 50 we don't and then we compare the two groups it's it's we only have one world mm. and so um, we have to be, I think we should be very humble when it comes to talking about our impact on the systems level. In some way, we should free ourselves from the need to attribute impact to any one actor. What we should be doing instead, I think, is just say, what are our goals? Where did we stand with regard to these goals before? What did we do to promote the goals? And where do we stand now? without claiming any causal relationship between one step and the other. Um, so let's see. Um, I think the goal that one of the goals that we had was that there are more social entrepreneurs who, who are aligning their work around the idea of, of system change. And we actually see that. There are more people now who, who have specific system change goals and who are working very clearly with a clear strategy towards them. Was that because of us? I have no idea. Because the people who participate in the Globalizer program already have to have some, you know, um, they they must like the idea of systems already, otherwise they wouldn't participate. And so it's hard to say how much difference we actually make. When we look at venture, like Ashoka fellow candidates in Germany, one of the criteria, as I mentioned, is that their idea has the potential to change a social system. And so when we do workshops with them, chances are that they are already thinking on a systems level. So again, hard to say how much difference we made. Mm. But still, it's it, we have good reasons to believe that we have some impact. It's mm. just hard to say what that impact is exactly. Yeah. Um, similarly, when it comes to the discourse, so we published a number of articles and tools that we know are being used by other people. But again... Did, um, the change in discourse um, and and you can see how, how much more often system change is being mentioned in big magazines and articles um, so it's happening, we are making progress towards that goal but I I would feel uncomfortable saying that that it's because of us, we, mm-hmm. we were part of of the many people who 
who made that happen. We mm. were authoring some of these materials that are now out there. But who knows, like if, if we hadn't done that, maybe the, the discourse would be where it is right now anyway. Yeah. Um, and, and similarly for, for getting more foundations on board and, and convince funders that um, funding systemically makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, we see more interest in that topic. Um, and we have been working with a number of, uh, of foundations and donors in that space. Um, but yeah, hard to say what our contribution was because we will never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and w- what I kind of love with this when, when you describe it is that it's this sort of humbleness that we're all a part of this bigger system and we're all helping each other out, which is we're creating impact together in that sense. Yeah, that's one of the benefits. Um, if you are not driven so much anymore um, by this need to claim any particular impact for yourself, yeah, it's much easier for you to do it in collaboration with others um, because credit is going to be shared anyway. Um, it's, it's a much more nebulous concept in the area of system change. So yeah, just embrace it and, uh, and use the benefits that that brings. systems we need to make sure that we are not doing more harm than good and without an appreciative stance towards existing systems that's a real danger and that's also something that we discuss with fellows in our strategy program it's it's like this is not just a philosophical argument it it actually happens you can do more harm than good Mm. Um, and yeah the second question about how to how to achieve system change it's yeah it's more it's more making connections and unlocking existing energies rather than you by brute force or intellect um you know (laughs) getting it from point a to point b that's just not how systems work so in the two examples that i mentioned um annetta hubbard and the kindergartens i mean um she she needs to uh, parents have an interest in this happening and so she needs to tap into that into that potential uh municipalities have an interest in this working because it drives down costs for other social services so she she needs to make people aware of the benefits and then let the change unfold and similarly for andres um when it comes to the standards of the trauma care path in the andean region uh, he he can't just tell people or the who or the the health ministries how to do these things he needs to he needs to bring doctors and first uh, responders and even firefighters together and let them think about how these standards could could look like then he might have some ideas how to structure it but like the change needs to come from these people and mm. and he's more he's a facilitator he's a he's a broker in that system and that's way more effective i love that word a facilitator at some point a person that uh, and i also read about something like what a facilitator is usually you're doing it in a workshop environment that's when you see a facilitator leading the workshop but i think this this quote that i read i, I don't know if i'm doing uh, saying it correctly but uh, a great facilitator is someone that you don't even notice in the room in that sense right and i think that is also pretty for a good system thinker or for a good you know system changing entrepreneur that would be a good way of describing what they're trying to do you know just unlocking potential for the room in this workshop to thrive you know and and unlocking the potential for the system to thrive right and for that you need to be able to to fade into the background yeah um and again so if you if you still cling to this notion of a hero printer um who who 
achieves the change and then gets uh, on on the title of the Times or whatever, that, then this will be hard. Um, it, so this is this is an interesting topic for Ashoka because um, the people who are already doing this successfully are harder to find. Um, so um, one example that I like here is Inge Misma, um, who like when once when we found her when we made her a member of the Ashoka Fellowship, she already revolutionized the Afghan health system. But she did it in such a like in such a neat and subtle way that nobody heard about her. So yeah. like yeah, we we found her too late in a way. So like that's yeah. it like that's the challenge for us. We need to we need to have nominators in all different areas um, who who can point us to these to these system change facilitators or brokers. So if you have a person in mind uh, like that, that would fit this description, please reach out to us because without these tips and nominations, we can't find the best people in that space. And, and this actually, this transition here leads on to the second question or the following question that I have, and that is the, the challenges that you are facing. I guess finding these people and helping them improve their impact is one challenge. But can you mention a few other challenges uh, with your work or Ashoka's work? I mean, that's a that's a challenge that we as Ashoka face because we we chose to support system changing social entrepreneurs. It's not necessarily a big challenge for the sector. I think the next barriers for the sector are um, are still this this mental model of a heropreneur, the the way that social entrepreneurs think about themselves and what they are supposed to be doing. Um, so like, yeah, doing it alone, growing, reaching as many people as possible, amassing resources. So like things like that can really be in the way of, of achieving system change. Um, and then when it comes to, to our partners, um, there is still a lack of funding for systemic initiatives. It's just hard to get money for these things. So, I mean, what are the things that you would ideally do if, you, if your goal is system change? You you would be changing discourses, you would be lobbying, you would be building movements, you would focus on ecosystem improvements, all of these, like you would be doing impact evaluations, best practice sharing, like all of these things are so incredibly hard to fund for because it's it's treated as overhead, as being unclear what the impact is, it's so indirect, it's so speculative, you know, people are really uncomfortable spending money on this stuff. But it's, it's ultimately what's needed in order to get to a system change. Mm. And... Um, I mean, we now are, the good thing is that um, a while ago, uh, Co-Impact started, which is a collaboration between um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, and you know, the usual suspects, um, who announced that they would be spending $500 million only on systemic initiatives. So that was a, that was a sign that cannot be ignored. And I hope that it will create some momentum, um, including in, uh, in the German ecosystem. Mm. It's also that funding mechanisms are often not flexible enough. So even if if you find somebody who's willing to fund a systemic initiative, um, they might want to have a strategic master plan at the beginning that then for three years needs to be implemented. Mm. When in fact, after six months, you already realize that you need to adapt because the system has changed and new opportunities have arisen. So it's um, social systems entrepreneurs need way more flexibility, much more like they need unrestricted funding. They need long-term support. Um, they need networking support. It's it's a different way of, of working with them um, compared to, I don't know, like um, business venture capitalism or mm. something. Yeah. Um, and finally, 
we still see in many areas that there is unnecessary resistance um, from the systems that social entrepreneurs want to change. Um, and some, some level of resistance is good. It shouldn't be too easy to change systems. Otherwise, it would just be chaos um, everywhere. But in some cases, um, like it's, it's, really, it's really annoying like how, how certain bureaucracies, um, university administrations, healthcare insurance companies, uh, you know, school boards, etc. Are just, are just not changing for the sake of it. And and I think um, yeah more willingness to to pilot new approaches, um, to to do evaluations and to share what's working with others that would help a lot. What what do you think would spark this willingness? You talked about this lastly. Mm. I mean, first of all, every single person can can make a contribution here. We talk about change making in the context of social entrepreneurship here, but really change making can happen in any kind of context and environment. So. If if you are um, part of the administration of a school or university, if you're working at a at a health insurance company, if you're working at um, at a company or even a CSR department of a company, you you can definitely contribute towards system changes. You you just you can just look okay what are what are new ideas and new ways of doing things out there and how can we experiment? How can we how can we be part of this change? Um, so it doesn't just have to be social entrepreneurs. Um, everybody can can do something. The other point is that um, often it helps to have um, somebody else in your sphere um, walking ahead, and so you can always point to them and say, "Look, the the world didn't didn't collapse. They are still uh, alive and doing their thing. Um, the school is still a school, and the health insurance company didn't go bankrupt. Why don't we just do the same thing?" So, like again, like it's uh, in every in every area, in every system, like education, healthcare, etc., it's important to have a couple of people who are just willing to take the risk of being the first in something. Um, because that that makes it easier for the second movers um, to follow along. And then finally, what, what we are just doing, we just finished the study um, in collaboration with McKinsey, and we estimated, um, together with the management consultants, the macroeconomic impact of these small system changes. And that we believe is a language that, well, that's an argument that many people should should value. So instead of saying, I don't know, like taking the example of Frank Hoffman, um, who is the founder of Discovering Hands, he uh, he enables blind people to um, to detect breast cancers much better than existing doctors can um, because they have more time and because they have an increased sense of touch. So instead of saying we help all these, um, we give career opportunities to blind people and we help people with cancer, we are just saying, look, this saves the German healthcare system um, 80 to 160 million euros each year if we just rolled it out. Yeah. And that's that's immediately clear why you should be doing it. Like there's no <laughs> there's no social nicety, well-being, fluffiness around it. It's just hard, cold cash. Yeah. And even if you don't care about anything else, it's enough that you should be doing it. Wow. And we hope that, that these economic arguments can also help in the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that was a really impactful story in the last part, Jesus. I didn't know that it was that. But as you say, it helps to being clear, black or white, here's the money that you're losing if you're not, you know, putting in the effort of, or the resources for doing this. 
And that's just, this is already net, right? Yeah. So um, the benefits are higher, but then you you subtract all the training costs and the cost for the additional diagnosis that yeah. you have to do. So it's a net benefit that mm -hmm. you get each year for a minimum investment. And yeah. it's like, yeah, if, if you're just looking for good investment opportunities as a politician, oh. there they are. Like, yeah. And we have lots of those. Exactly. I have one final thing. Uh, that I would like to ask you about and that is like some sort of an action plan and it might sound big but it is for it is a treat for the listeners so imagine you are one of the listeners and you listen to this and you feel really inspired by by this and really want to do something but you kind of you you don't really know where to start in that sense where should I go about and this can be you can divide it up into two things like how can I start you know, with system thinking, how, how can I start learning that? And the other part could be, how can I, you know, if I want to develop strategies for impact entrepreneurs, uh, how can I then, or where should I then start? So you can divide it up into two or decide if you want to go with one. Okay, let's see. Um, in terms of, of personal development, um, there are three qualities that I believe are worth cultivating. Um, the first is systems thinking, and that's the most obvious one. And it might be, it might look a bit scary because of all the the models and the arrows in these maps, etc. But actually, this is something that you can familiarize yourself with fairly quickly. Um, it takes a couple of weeks. Read two books, you're pretty much done. Um, uh, it's still worthwhile doing that. So um, do do participate in the online course that you mentioned. Read books like um, Systems Thinking for Social Change or uh, Thinking in Systems by Donella Meadows. But once you did one or two of those things, you're pretty much good in so in, in terms of your formal understanding of of systems and systems analysis. The other two qualities are much more important and much harder to do. So um, the second quality is is to cultivate a certain sense of of motivation or aspiration so you, you need to want to have an impact on the systems level and that might sound trivial in some sense but it really isn't uh, because the whole ecosystem is nudging you away from having systemic impact and so the best thing i believe you can do to cultivate that quality is to surround yourself with people who already have that ambition who have already made some progress and and like a group of peers that can hold you accountable um, for for staying on the right track um, that that would be that would be in terms of aspiration, and finally, there's a quality that we call openness, and this is um, basically how far away you have developed from this idea of heropreneurship. So, how willing are you to give up control? How willing are you to share resources? Um, how uh, how important is it still for you to stay and to be in the spotlight and to get the attraction and to be seen as a leader and these kinds of things? Um, the more willing you are to give up control, the more potential uh, for system changing impact you have. So uh, yeah, these are the three personal qualities that I would encourage people to, to look into. This is of course a, you know, a life journey in a way, mm -hmm. but yeah, it can be a little framework that helps. In terms of more concrete things, so it depends on who you are, right? So if you're a social entrepreneur, um, start by identifying a concrete intended system change goal. You know, it's like, don't say, I want to get rid of global poverty. That's, that's just, that's too broad. Mm. Nobody knows what that actually means. Or don't say, I want to revolutionize the German education system. Yeah, you might, but that's, I don't know what that means. Instead say, I want to make the empty rooms of German kindergartens available for parents who want to meet their kids in another city. 
say, I want to improve the medical procedures and standards in the trauma care path so that less people die of medical complications. Mm. That Those are like nice specific system changing goals and that's where it should start. So yeah, talk talk with your team and your stakeholders about it with your board, what these, what these concrete system change goals could be and then get to work. Um, if you're an intermediary, uh, include systems thinking in your programs. So um, if you are if you're teaching at the university um, about social entrepreneurship, do mention that system change is a goal that many of these these entrepreneurs are trying to achieve. Um, in incubation programs, don't just talk about social business models. Like also talk about systems and how you can change them. Mm. Um, if you're a donor, like experiment more. Um, try to be more flexible with your next fund. Uh, make it easier for system changing entrepreneurs to do their work. Um, and finally, if you are a member of any organization, this is what I mentioned um, before, you don't have to be a social entrepreneur to, to contribute towards system change. A teacher can do it. An administrator at the university can do it. You know, um, a manager in a company can do it. It's like you don't need to be a member of the social entrepreneurship sphere more, more narrowly um, in order to engage in this line of work. So yeah, do feel do feel responsible um, and don't just say this is this is the work of social entrepreneurs. I can't do anything. You you actually can. Thank you so much, Udin, for this wonderful podcast episode. It, it's been an honor to interview you, and I hope you really enjoyed the episode as well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. And again, like uh, the offer stands six months, and we might have more exciting things to talk about. I would love to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> see, you, see you soon then. See you soon. Thanks a lot. <laughs>